0: Greetings, John here from Around the Pulpit. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to take a moment to let you know the occasional echo you might hear is due to the surroundings of the old church, and the background noises from the occasional furnace starting up. I felt the need to keep all this in so you, the listener, could experience what I did on this audio journey. Enjoy the podcast. to Around the Pulpit, the podcast to entertain and inspire those listening to seek out how they can get involved by hearing stories, teaching, and testimony from people who are already actively working or volunteering in various roles of ministry for the purpose of growing the kingdom of God. I'm your host, John, and today is the debut episode, and we're talking to Harley Dakin from the Everett Chapel Preservation Society. How are you doing today?
1: Doing fine, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Tell us a little bit about exactly what Everell's Chapel is before we dive into what your organization
1: is. Okay, Everell's Chapel was founded in 1868, uh, obviously by the people with the last name Everils. Uh The mother, Anne, was from Wales, and the father was from uh, England, Shropshire, England. And they made their way down the Ohio and Erie Canal from the Erie Canal of New York, And initially settled there a little bit in Bolivar, Ohio and they had just got married in England and came to the States and it's sort of a story of the uh, I guess the American success story Uh, people coming to America and building empires not only them but their children too but um, the church was uh, built in 1868 the couple that Founded the, the uh, church, uh, John and Anne Everill were very religious followers of John Wesley. They uh, are actually buried; both are buried in our cemetery here uh, at uh, on uh, 251 uh, Oxford Township. Is that and Newcomers Town? That's Newcomers Town. This is actually Oxford Township, Cushocton County. Okay. There's also an Oxford Township, Tuscarawas County is very
0: close. Well I was heading up here and uh, I was discussing with my wife in the car. We didn't know if it was Tuscarawas or Coshocton yeah. County.
1: You're 1,500 feet inside Coshocton <laughs> County. But uh, I guess we can get started a little bit about uh, how we got involved with this if you'd like. Yeah. Um, in 2014 the church uh, membership and it was a United Methodist Church at that time had dwindled down to almost nothing. The church was in bad repair, the roof was leaking, the inside was being destroyed by the water coming in and the Methodist uh, church decided to uh, disassociate themselves with the church and if you know anything about abandoned churches and cemeteries, state law in Ohio is that township uh, will be responsible for the cemetery. Well, the United Methodist also wanted the Oxford Township Trustees to take possession of the church itself. Uh, But the Township Trustees said by law they can't own the the structure. So there was a lot of talk in the community and people were very concerned that the old church was going to fall by the way as so many have fallen by the way over the years. This is what we call a clapboard church. Clapboard. Clapboard church. If you looked at the we have modern vinyl siding now, but many years ago when it was built, it was just wood sided. And uh, whenever we did the uh, remodeling on the inside, they used actually used straw for insulation in the roof. Really?
0: There was like yeah. original straw?
1: There was original straw in there, which is another story in itself. But <laughs> uh, the last services were held here in November of 2014. And... Uh, Most all the community turned out. We have a lot of folks that that regularly visit here because they have family in the cemetery. And uh, at one time, as was many years ago, the church was the center, almost like what you call social media today. People met at church and they had dinners and luncheons and all types of social interactivities. But uh, over the years, it dwindled down to nothing. And, uh, like I said, there was about six people left. And you said the last
0: service was in 2014? 2014. Were you a member of this church at the time? No, I was
1: not a member of this church. Okay. My connection to the church, or connection to the community, was my wife, uh, her parents own the the farm next to the church. And whenever my wife and I got married, my father-in-law gave us a few acres to put a house on. Okay. So... That's how I got into the community, probably about 1976. Um, after we found out that the uh, United Methodists no longer wanted possession of it, uh, there was a lot of talk about maybe burning the old church down and, and allowing it to be uh, used to train firemen or whatever, which got a lot of people got a little bit upset about that, whether it was a rumor or a truth, I don't know. Absolutely. Though. But it caused... Uh, our first meeting at the Newcomer's Town Historical Society, we had probably 75 people there. And they said, what are we going to do to save the church? Well, it's very interesting. This church was founded by uh, Englishmen, John and Ian Everill. They were from England. Across the way, at that farmhouse I mentioned, where my father-in-law and mother-in-law owned, was a renter, and his name was Daniel Leakey. Guess where Daniel Leakey was from? Daniel Leakey was from England. And he said it hurt his heart when he'd look across the field and imagine this old church not being here. So he and Sean Dakin started a movement to gather up the finances, To number one, to buy the church, and to, number two, get it repaired and get it back in repair. So um, they got that started, did a 501c3, uh, and that's like I say, that was probably around 2015. In uh, 2016 was really our first full year in here. Uh, as the preservation society. As the preservation society. And we were founded number one to preserve the history of the church, and we were also founded to serve the community. There's things like weddings that goes on here. Uh, people will rent it for birthdays we have a basement Uh, being a church that was built in 1868 we don't have all those Mm -hmm. nice amenities like uh, outside or inside bathrooms or running water so you have no running water here. we have no running water here so (laughs) nor will we ever because we sit on about one and a half acres and uh, zoning laws require that you have at least three acres I believe really so like I say we were really supported by the community um the united methodists found out what our plans were and instead of wanting to sell the church to us they gave it to us
0: absolutely free. gave it to
1: us so the next thing was that we would be responsible for getting the land surveyed and mm-hmm. and getting the the title researched and probated or whatever there was a uh, surveying company uh in the, the northern part of the county Donaker surveying they came down and we explained what we were doing we we're trying to save the old church and we needed the, the cemetery cut off from the church as far as the deeded property because the township was indeed going to take care of the cemetery and uh, we got a lot of support from our township trustees they wanted to make sure it went and Mr. Donaker I think he quoted us four thousand dollars for everything for the surveying and everything so a, he was an older gentleman.
0: So the cemetery was covered. Yeah, the cemetery by the trustees, by the but trustees, the church was not.
1: No, it wasn't surveyed off.
0: Okay, I was because I was. I saw when I was trying to look into it via Facebook. I saw where uh, the early pictures were. Sean had posted about starting the preservation society, mm-hmm. and there was talks of the cemetery. What's going to happen to its fate? You know mm-hmm. what? What will happen? They said the trustees had it covered.
1: Well, from the way I understand. Uh, the township, and this is a state law, uh, that if an abandoned cemetery uh, occurs, then it's a responsibility of to the township trustees for maintenance on that.
0: Okay, so by law, they by have law, to By law, they it. had to take it. Okay.
1: Now, there was another stipulation in here that caused us some concern. One of our seniors that had attended church here for over almost 70 years... <laughs> left an endowment of around $30,000. And that was for the care of the cemetery, not the church. Uh, we did not want to be associated with that uh, endowment. so. And then there was some concern from the township trustees that they couldn't take it, which that was not good. Long story short, after some discussions with attorneys and such, the township was able to take care of it. And they uh, they do an excellent job that that money that uh, that from the endowment. They mow the lawn in the summertime uh, once a week. Uh, they've laid gravel out for parking. Uh, it's an active cemetery. Last year, I think we buried probably five people in this little cemetery.
0: Oh, you're still oh yeah there's st- still not buried... us, but the township township is. Township is yeah and
1: uh, as a matter of fact, I have my plot down here. Okay, I have my tombstone already. Picked
0: out and ready Picked to go.
1: Set down there and ready to go, but uh, I guess the the uh, like I said, the support from the community was great. The township trustees, when I started to talk about Mister uh whenever Dan Leakey and Sean, uh, they had to go before a zoning commission, which uh, Mister Donnaker that owned the, the surveying company. Uh, he told him you need to go before the zoning commission because it's only like, an. it turned out to be like an acre or acre and a half. And you can't register that in Kashawky County without a variance. So here's these two young guys, they go to this variance board and uh, they're mostly all elderly guys. there, 70, 80, 85, 90 years old. And Mr. Donaker stood up and said, and here he was on was part of this board. He said, these boys are gonna save the old Everell's Church. He says, I think we should give them a variance for one and a half acres so it can uh, be titled and registered at the courthouse. And they all voted. And just as my son was walking out, Mr. Donaker whispered in his uh, ear, he said, forget about the $4,000. So we got the church free, we got the surveying free.
0: All because a couple young guys who were stepping up and wanting to preserve something of history and basically taking a very large leap of faith of mm-hmm. wanting to do this. Yeah. They got things handed to them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's God's power.
1: Yeah, right it there. is. Uh, further, and I'm going to send you this book that I wrote uh, on, in, in PDF format, so you can open up and read it. The founders of this church, uh, especially uh, Ann Everill, was very devout. She was a prayer warrior and... We found uh, later on a uh, biography of her son J. W. Everal. J. W. Everal was the oldest living son, and uh, whenever his uh, mother died, uh, his father—they uh, had around six to seven hundred acres—and you can imagine this sitting right on the Ohio Near Canal. <coughs> mm-hmm and the value of the property around the Ohio and Erie Canal at that time, if you could think the farmers were getting around 30 cents a bushel for wheat after the canal came through they were getting four times that so the property value shot through
0: and, and what, what, time, what was the timeline did
1: you say? And this was around 1830 ok uh, so uh, what it did is when Mr. Everell and his wife Ann came here from England um uh, There was tragedy in Bolivar, Ohio, when they first settled there. Their first son died as an infant. And they made their... He had... Mr. Everell had a good friend uh, by... They called him Mr. Klein. I'm not sure what his first name was. But uh, he had come down the Ohio Ohio and Erie Canal, I'm assuming, uh, knowing that the value of the property was going to go up. And he he had... uh, Started out with like 29 acres. And then his friend John Everill came down the following uh, year and they started buying up property and uh, ended up in Mr. Klein, sold all his property to John Everill. John ended up with about six or seven hundred acres. The youngest son, J.W., he took his inheritance from the land and went to Westerville, Ohio. And if you've ever been to Westerville, Ohio, there's a homestead down there called the Everells Homestead. Okay. Uh, the Everill's Homestead is a reconstructed... Uh, he was actually the, one of the first industrialists in uh, Westerville, and he came out of this little community here. He started a brick and a tile company down there with the money he had made selling off of the Ohio and Erie Canal property that he had here. This community was also known as Coport. And the reason it was known as Coalport was the uh, farmers would mine coal out of the side of the hill, take it down to the canal, put it on the boats and send it down the canal or up the canal to sell the coal. So it was also called Coalport. There was a little town called Evansburg, which we believe was Anne Everell's father's property and it was a little community that's no longer in existence. It sat along the Tuscarawas River or back in those days it was called the Muskingum River. And it had a mill and a tannery and uh, it was very early here. He was here, Mr. Evans was here in the early 1800s and he fought with General Harrison in the war of 1812 against the British and the Indians in the area. But uh, there's so much history right here in this little tiny church uh, one thing I did want to say, I mentioned about Ann Everal being a prayer warrior. Her dream was to have a church, a real actual church. When they first started out, the church sat in the corner down here, and it was not a church; it was a school, and it doubled as a church. Okay. And her dream was to have a real church, so they could have revivals and such as that. Here. Yeah. And uh, she died in uh, like February of 1868 this church was finished in the latter part of 1868. So she never got to see her dream come true as far as having a real church. But uh, if you sit here and think about it, you can feel the uh, spirit, I would say spirit, of, of Anne. Uh, of her
0: presence in her this presence church. presence, yeah. Me.
1: She was a very oh, yeah. powerful, uh, well, I don't know what you know about Pentecostals or not, but... They were almost like Pentecostals. They, okay. Uh, one of the newspaper articles from the uh, Kishaka newspaper, they were re- recalling a revival that was held here, and many of the uh, attendees were struck down. Uh, struck down, what do you mean? Uh Have you ever been to a Pentecostal revival? I have not, to be honest. When the Spirit moves on people.
0: Oh, you're talking like, you're talking, okay. uh, See, when I was younger, they used to call that uh, slain in the Spirit. Slain in the
1: Spirit, exactly.
0: Yeah, okay. That was
1: something that was here in this church. And they said when they used to have revivals, uh, and it's in my book that I wrote, I found a newspaper article that they described uh, people coming for the revival. They were carrying hand lanterns. And it looked like snakes coming over the hills and through the valleys and stuff. <laughs> there were so many of them. Really? And uh, you get a real sense of, of, and J.W. talks more about the, the strength of his, that in, in the family came from his mother more so than his dad. Although his dad was a businessman, and J.W. was a businessman. He became very successful down there, Westerville. If you ever go to Westerville and get the opportunity to visit the, uh, Everall's homestead. they've restored the house and the, the barn, and uh, they have weddings and all kinds of things down there. Yeah. But uh, it's it's been quite an experience. Um, I mean, I can't go into everything. I've, <laughs> I've done probably about two years of research, three years of research for this uh, one book. But um, I guess what was really neat was having their sixth great-grandson being married here in the church. And we were able to keep up with the Everils. Uh, JW went to Westerville and his grandson became a physician uh, down there in Westerville and moved to uh, Detroit, Michigan, where he had a practice up there and he also started the hospital up there. And today, those the most of the Everils uh, from that J, from JW's line is is still in Michigan.
0: Do they come down here at all frequently, or are not, they are, are not, they involved enough to know? Not
1: not frequently, but they keep up with us on Facebook. And uh, the one Greg Everill Greg is uh, he's a uh, race coordinator. He coordinates these five K runs and such as that. So he travels all over the place, and he had moved to Ohio. And, uh, of course, being closer, whenever we had some type of an event, Greg would try to attend it. And he's become good friends with uh, the members of our organization here. So I guess in a short nutshell, and in a nutshell, that's just about it. Uh, like I say, we've, we've had great community support. And uh, without that, we would have never been able to save the old church here. The only thing that concerns me now, I'm 65 years old, uh, and I'm hoping that there will be some younger people come along later on to carry on. My son Sean's 44 years old, so uh, we're not getting any younger, but someday someday somebody else will take it over and ensure that it goes for another. We just celebrated, two years ago, we celebrated 150th anniversary of the church. I'm sorry, how many? 150 years Hundred
0: and fifty years of the
1: church. Yeah, and uh, like I say, we're
0: we're supported only by donations. I was going to ask, uh, is it like membership dues? But it is yes. just it is done by donations. Yeah,
1: we've got about uh, forty eight members.
0: Did uh, you start with that many? How many did you start with compared to now? Yeah,
1: uh, just about that many.
0: You started with forty eight. You still locked in all forty eight. Yeah, pretty much
1: all of them are still here. Okay, uh, a lot of them are just neighbors around here, and a lot of them. people over the years that attended churches the church here Um, and you had told me before
0: we started recording about a young girl and a picture and she grew up to be a part of your preservation society And she now lives in Florida right
1: yeah that's our our friend Thelma Russell Uh, Thelma sort of uh, was a guiding light she attended church here whenever she was a child and uh, when we had the church repaired here, and they repaired the ceiling and the walls, uh, Thelma told me one time that the uh, three through seven years old had their Sunday school up on the left-hand side of the pulpit up here. And they, they, she recalled all of her teachers and all the fun that she had and all the Bible stories and everything. And sure enough, whenever the guys were starting to do the repairs... on the wall one guy noticed what appeared to be a a wooden dowel sticking out of the wall so he reached down and pulled it out and it wasn't a dowel it was a piece of paper rolled up and in that paper was a pink polka dotted cow drawn by Thelma and the guy that was doing it called my son on his cell and said you'll never guess what we caught what we found here there's a uh, drawing by some child or some kid and she drew a polka dotted cow and she signed it Thelma so Sean, my son, said just a minute I'll be over with little Thelma (laughs) and little Thelma by then was probably in her 70's and it was a a great memory she had I think of this place
0: and you display that picture right now as we speak in the back of this
1: church (laughs) we've had a lot of people bringing memorabilia in um, we're going to have hopefully have Christmas services here we usually have a very good attendance for that but with the uh, epidemic and everything or pandemic
0: COVID's kind yeah, of the COVID ruined 19. everything yeah mm-hmm. but
1: uh, I don't know how many we'll have or but um, usually about 100 or so which is the capacity of this little church
0: oh but, 100 uh, people about 100 people is it yeah and is that
1: comfortable, or is well, that, or is that rubbing elbows? Yeah, that's pushing.
0: That's pushing. It. It, yeah. that's pushing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, what you said—you had 48 members when you started, and you have 48 members now, uh, and plus or minus a there, couple three. A couple. And mm-hmm. you definitely want future generations. If you could say anything to anybody listening that might be in the area or abroad or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice or what would you say to them if they were wanting to get involved in something like what you're doing or even helping out the Everells Chapel yep. Preservation Society? Well, we're
1: always looking for volunteers to, to come. We've got uh, one of our guys, Dan Patterson, and Dan is our head of our maintenance group. And uh, Dan will get volunteers and they'll paint the outside buildings or uh, do work out front on the uh, garden. Uh, we've also got a township trustee uh, that is very active and she volunteers a lot but I guess what I would say is my interest in preserving the old church started probably maybe 15 years ago whenever I was uh, doing genealogy research I found that my family came into southeastern Ohio and uh, they had started a little church similar to this very much like this church and uh, they had come from the Alsace region and my wife and I had a company called Appalachian Ancestry where we did genealogy research paid research for people of Appalachian descent so they had started a preservation society for their church and I thought well why couldn't why couldn't we do the same thing here so I would suggest before all the old churches that maybe never meant anything to you but to your grandparents and your great-grandparents that you get involved and do what you can to preserve that um like i say we don't have we're not we don't have active church services or anything here but uh we've done our best to preserve it so that the children grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the people that from 150 years ago put their blood and toil into this little church Uh, I would just suggest that you try to get involved as much as possible you know a lot of these rural churches especially the uh, well the ones that United Brethren and the Methodists when they combined uh, you know there was let's face it religion is dying in the US very few children or grandchildren of the original founders of, of uh, this church even knew anything about it. So there was a time when my aunt, uh, which she was the one that first got me interested in genealogy and history, uh, when she was baptized at a United Brethren church in West Virginia at age 17, uh, she said it was uh, the church was the center of everything. Uh, so maybe someday we'll get back to that. Maybe if we can get rid of cell phones and video games and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that—that's—that's my—that's my thoughts. Take on that.
0: Take us back to the old churches, which is where we're sitting at right now. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. And if you uh, if you understand the history of of the church, then it, it'll make a lot more sense to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like I say, we have. Ann and John are buried in our cemetery out here. And one that I forgot to mention was Joseph. Joseph was the uh, youngest of their children. Uh, and in 1861, he was drafted and went to Cleveland to train for the uh, Civil War. Oh, and wow. he ended up uh, contracting typhoid fever. And he finished his basic training there but never actually got to go into battle. So he was sent home uh, back to Coshocton County here, back to Oxford Township. Uh, And he was in such a physical state that he couldn't work on the farm. So he was sent down to uh, Westerville to Otterbein College. And I've since found his transcripts from the best I can tell. I think he was studying theology. Uh, like I say, they were devout followers of Wesley. Um, so uh, he's buried out here. He died, he got about one year in down there at, at Otterbein College. And then his mom had to go down and uh, get him and bring him back for burial down here in the cemetery. The actual first burial in the cemetery was the uh, oldest daughter of John and Ann Everill. She was married here and. Uh, in, in the old uh, school church, Slice Church, and immediately went to Wisconsin. Well, when she got up there, uh, about a year later, she had a child, and she died in childbirth. And Ann Everill, it, which would have been her mother, went up to get the baby and brought the baby back. Unfortunately, the baby only lived to be about three months old. Really? And that was the first burial in the cemetery here. The very first. The very first one hmm so so some other questions i can answer
0: um yeah now with this podcast it has it's not like a normal radio show where it's only going to be played in the listening area it has the ability to reach people possibly all over the world Mm -hmm. and there's going to be people from different backgrounds and whatnot but if something strikes their heart and they would want to contribute to to the Everett Chapel Preservation Society,
1: can they do that? Uh, Actually, I guess the best way would be to do is send an email uh, if you're you're interested in contributing, and that would be hpdakin at sbcglobal.net, and uh, we can work on that with you. Like I say, uh, we're very small, and we were really founded just to help this community here preserve the old church and uh, we've been blessed to have a lot of a lot of folks help us in on that so
0: now if somebody wanted to contact you through that email to possibly set up a visit like a tourist type of thing can they do that as well too
1: yes uh, just give a give us a couple of weeks uh, at advance notice okay uh, we have not only this church but uh, we are Originally started out as a like a subset of the Newcomerstown Historical Society, so if you come to visit our church here, we would also like to take you through our museum here in Newcomerstown, which is uh, the home of Cy Young and Woody Hayes, both sports figures. And uh, coming soon, we will have uh, the history of the Lenape Lenape tribe. Uh, in pictorial at the museum so it's a lot of things to see historically around the area. Fun so,
0: fact I was also married at the Historical Society. Really? My wife and I set up a time in that where it's set up like a it's, for those listening they don't know it's set up like an old town on the inside. Exactly. And we were married there uh four years ago. Yeah
1: it's and called it's old, a, it's old Main Street Museum. Yeah it's fantastic
0: society. it looks yeah. it looks just like old town newcomer's town. It does yes.
1: <laughs> But the, like I say, the Newcomerstown Historical Society, as they have done with several different historical places, uh, they've helped out, get started. And uh, that's what, pretty much what has happened here. Like I say, if you, anybody wants to take a tour or whatever, just email that address and um, we'll do our best to accommodate you.
0: And uh, you mentioned the book you wrote, and you're going to send me a PDF of that. Yes. I'm going to give you my email, personal email. Right. If somebody else would want a copy, would you provide that sure. to Okay. So if you're out there and you would like to hear, or I, I should say you, you would want to read a copy of Harley's book, again, just go to that email if you want to mention that again.
1: Yeah, it's h-p-d-a-k-i-n at sbcglobal.net
0: yeah there's a lot of interesting history that i can already tell it's pretty thick over here and there's more than what you've told me i'm assuming oh yes
1: much more i mean there's too much (laughs) we'd have to have two days here to talk about it (laughs) but it's it's uh you know my interest like i say is history and genealogy and just finding the history of this church has made it seem more real to me
0: and I had I had a lot of questions here for you, but you pretty much answered them as you were talking. Okay. And I've, so I've learned a lot about without even having to ask the questions. But I can tell that this is something that you have passion and it's an important thing for you. And I'm just hoping that that future generation steps up. And do you have... A, grandkids or I, do, do you have like kids or like you know relatives that with kids that would want that you're kind of getting involved in here or bringing yeah. them here
1: yeah now my granddaughter is 16 years old and uh i've talked her into playing piano at our christmas uh candle lighting and my oldest grandson is, this is his first year at kent state university and i'm hoping they'll they will have some interest in it my youngest grandson hayden uh you know as we grow older And we see the generation before us go by the way uh, things take on importance that they don't normally have when you're young i know whenever i was young i had no interest in history at all so i'm hoping that'll happen with with the younger generation
0: if you have any questions or comments again email harley about the organization and if you want to uh, pass any letters you know of encouragement or just people around you to get involved with something like this you know just play them this episode and let them know that God can do some amazing things through a community like it has here and uh, I will be throwing up some pictures on social media Facebook Instagram uh, for sure and as we get things going with different social media i'll of course link those too. but you're going to see this church you're going to see the inside the outside and you're going to get a real perspective of what god can do through a community and uh, i just want to thank you again harley for being on the show
1: you're welcome and uh, you can find us on facebook at Everell's chapel preservation society we have a users group and we also just have a regular facebook page what you'll find on one you'll find on the other but it Tells you what's going on at the chapel at any given time.